Hi, I'm Pastor Lee Heeman, and I pastored the Little Baptist Church here in Vancouver, Washington for about 35 years. And I was asked to preach again on Sunday morning by the new pastor. He had to be away for the day. And I'm grateful for the opportunity. And so I wanted to share with you this morning, do you share the good news? Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10 and 16 through 20. I was reminded of a story about a family who was driving home from worship. The mother exclaimed to her three kids in the back seat, what a wonderful service we had this morning. Now the oldest daughter, being a 14-year-old, being the way she was, a little cynical, asked, so what do we do about Christ's resurrection? Well, the mom said, well, what do you mean, honey? She answered back, I mean, Christ's resurrection supposedly changed everything, right? We say it changed our life. It seems to me we should be doing more to indicate Christ has made a difference in us and he wants to make a difference in others, don't you think? Now, that made the mother realize that she needed to share the good news with others joyfully and more consistently. So let me ask you this morning, how does your worship influence your daily service for Christ? As Sunday morning dawned so many years ago, two lowly women walked to the tomb of Jesus. An earthquake occurs. An angel of God rolls back stone at the entrance of the tomb and sits on it. And he tells the women not to be afraid because Jesus has risen from the dead. Now what occurs next will forever change their lives. It caused them to desire to share the good news. Let's see why, shall we? If you have a Bible, open it up to Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10 and 16 through 20. The first thing we notice, our resurrection experience should cause us to share the good news immediately. Verses 1 through 7, Matthew 28. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Sunday, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay, and then go quickly and tell the disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. Now, Jesus was buried in a new tomb belonging to Joseph of Arimathea, Matthew 27. And visiting tombs on the Sabbath, Saturday, was strictly forbidden by Jewish laws. But as soon as Sunday morning begins to dawn, two women go to the tomb. Now, all of the Gospels mention Mary Magdalene as being one of the women who visited Jesus' tomb and saw the risen Jesus. The other Mary may refer to either the mother of Jesus or of James and Joseph. Luke relates that the women came to anoint Jesus' body, Luke 24, and perhaps to mourn and pray, which would have been normal. When Jesus died, an earthquake had shaken all of Jerusalem, again, Matthew 27, and as the women arrive, there's another earthquake that shakes that area. Now, earthquakes often indicate God's presence in Scripture. And through this earthquake of the descending angel, the messenger of God, God announces his presence to these women and the soldiers that are there. 
angel rolls back the stone that seals the tomb, not to let Jesus out, but so the women could enter and confirm the tomb is empty. And this is an important thing. Because a lot of movies depict Jesus waiting for the stone to be rolled away and then he walks out. That's simply not true. I believe, like scripture says, when he came to eat with the disciples in the upper room after his resurrection, he just appears. And I believe that Jesus just walked through the tomb and just left. He didn't need anybody to roll back the stone for him. But prove that he had already risen from the dead and the assurance of his victory over the death, the angel triumphantly rolls back the stone and sits on it. Humans had rolled the stone before the tomb's entrance to seal the crucified Jesus inside, but neither stone nor death could contain him. Praise God. Grief is replaced with joy. The angel's appearance reflects God's glory. The guards were so afraid of the angel that they shook and became like dead men. I think it's kind of ironic that these war-hardened soldiers assigned to guard the dead body of a man became like dead men themselves while the corpse they guarded was raised to life. And people say there's no humor in the Bible. The angel tells the women, however, don't be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. The angel brings wonderful news of great joy and not of criticism to these women. The angel tells the women they would not find Jesus in the tomb because, hey, he's not here. He's risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. The women had the correct location. They look inside. The tomb is empty. And then they're instructed to go tell the disciples Jesus had risen and he would meet them in Galilee, just as he said he would. You see, they were instructed to share the good news eagerly. We all have experienced events in life so wonderful and joyous we could not wait to share them with everyone we saw. We eagerly share with others, make phone calls, send emails or texts. Perhaps we even post the good news on Snapchat or Facebook. We need to share the good news of Jesus' resurrection in the same way with others, knowing their lives can be changed by Jesus, even as ours have. Why is it good news? Of Because it is the resurrection. It's exciting. Why is the good news exciting to you? It should be. We discover that the women were instructed to share the good news eagerly, immediately. Our resurrection experience should also cause us to share the good news joyfully. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. And suddenly Jesus meets them. Greetings, he said. They came to him and clasped his feet and worshipped him. And Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Matthew 28, verses 8 through 10. And although the angel invited the women to enter the tomb and see for themselves, Jesus was not there. Matthew does not indicate whether they did. However, I tend to believe they probably did because of what later happens and what they declare. Instead, Matthew relates they obey the angel's command to go quickly and tell Jesus' disciples. The angel's words had not completely removed their fear, but his announcement of Jesus' resurrection had given them joy they had not possessed before and enabled them to obey him. As the women ran to tell the disciples the good news, Jesus suddenly meets and greets them. 
The word greeting here is kind of fun. It's a Greek word that served as a typical greeting in Jesus' day, much like our hello does today. It's kind of like, what's up? <laughs> can you imagine Jesus saying that? Yet the, the word can also mean rejoice because you're filled with joy when you meet someone that you haven't seen for a while. You know, rejoice. What's up? Both meanings fit the account beautifully. Jesus greeted the women as devoted friends, but also encourages them to rejoice at his resurrection. The women immediately recognized Jesus and rushed to him. The statement they clasped his feet emphasizes an interesting thing. It emphasizes Jesus' physical body. As the women grasped Jesus' feet, their hands did not pass through a spirit or a ghostly apparition. Their hands touched flesh and bone and tissue. Jesus rose from the dead not as a disembodied ghost, but as a person with a physical body people could touch and hold. In fact, later on, he eats with the disciples. Seeing Jesus led the women to worship him. In the Old Testament, we find Elijah and Elisha raising individuals to life. In each case, they were instruments for God. Jesus also raised the dead during his ministry, a young a widow's son and, and Lazarus' friend. Yet no human stood before Jesus' tomb and called him forth. Jesus himself rose to life, indicating his deity and authority over death. Earlier, the women would never have worshipped him, but their worship would have been reserved for God alone. But here they readily worship Jesus, whose resurrection clearly indicates he was indeed God. Jesus repeats the angel's instructions to choose uh, and chooses the word brother to describe his disciples. In John's gospel, we see him telling us that all who believe in him become the children of God. And these were his brothers in faith. Interestingly, his greatest hour of crisis just a few days earlier, some of these brothers had abandoned Jesus. And yet these women, these sisters in Christ, are the ones he first appears to. One disciple even denies him three times. But rather than condemn them for their lack of faith, Jesus forgives them, referring to them as part of his family. Isn't that beautiful? You see, Jesus invited them and invites us today to join him in his work of sharing the good news joyfully. How can we help others to experience the joy we have as Christians? I agree with what Allison Keita writes. She says, I'm fast approaching a new season in life, the winter of old age. Yeah, I know what she means. But I'm not there yet. Even though the years are galloping by and sometimes I'd like to slow them down, I have joy that sustains me. Each day, she writes, is a new day given me by the Lord. It's kind of like the psalmist who sang, It's good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High. To proclaim your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. Psalms 92 verses 1 through 2, New International Version. You see, I agree with her words. And Jesus leads us to share the good news of his resurrection so others might experience the joy we knew. We know we should share the good news joyfully. And finally, our resurrection experience should cause us to share the good news everywhere. Look at verses 16 through 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw them, saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. 
Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. By mentioning the 11 disciples, Matthew tacitly reminds us of Jesus's of Judas's betrayal and suicide. Now, despite Judas's tragic rejection of Jesus, the remaining disciples had a task to do, just as we do. Matthew did not record the specific mountain. They knew where to go. And just as mountains like Sinai served as sacred meeting places between God and humans in the Old Testament, so Jesus used mountains as places where people could encounter him. It provided a fitting place for Jesus' final instructions. When the disciples saw Jesus, they worshipped him just as the women had done earlier. But there were some who doubted. It refers not to unbelief necessarily, but to their hesitation or, or their uncertainty. Now why would some of the disciples have been hesitant or uncertain at seeing Jesus, their brother? Perhaps Jesus looked somewhat different, like he had at his transfiguration and the disciples could not positively identify him at first. That's a possibility. Perhaps they feared Jesus' response to the failure to stand with him. Perhaps the reports of Jesus' resurrection and then his appearance overwhelmed them since they did not expect to see him again. I mean, dead is dead, but now he's alive? Now, we may suppose if we had been there, we would have been among the believers rather than the doubters. I don't necessarily believe that myself. We need to admit we too sometimes hesitate and doubt Jesus. Events sometimes overwhelm us. And the challenge of following Christ can prove daunting, especially sharing our faith. Jesus, however, does not berate them, but invites them to join the work of spreading the kingdom of God. Jesus tells his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. You see, Jesus' resurrection validates his teaching and miracles. Jesus is the Messiah. Therefore, he tells them, go, make disciples of all nations. And the Greek term, make disciples, serves as the main verb of the verses 19 through 20. Go, baptizing, as well as teaching, are participles, subordinate to make disciples. You go, you know, and then you baptize, teach, train, those kinds of things. Jesus commands followers through the ages to make disciples, which involves going, baptizing, teaching. We need to go as Jesus commanded us to help others become maturing, committed disciples. We, need, we don't do it, however, on our own. Remember, Jesus is with us always to the very end of the age. He has all the authority. And Jesus' authority and presence and power, his disciples then and now. Jesus' first disciples did not evangelize and disciple based on their strength or their feelings. They did it because Jesus told them to go, just as we should. Following Christ requires us to share the good news everywhere. Years ago, I knew a young man who, like Dwight L. Moody, determined that he was going to share his faith as often as he possibly could. And one morning, while waiting for the bus to go to work, he realized he had forgotten his lunch at home, and he wondered what in the world he was going to do for something to eat. 
So I asked him, what did you do? He said, well, I began to pray. I began to claim God's promise to give us this day our daily bread. And so he repeated that over and over again. He closed his eyes and began to pray. And when he opened his eyes, there was a brown paper bag sitting beside him with a sandwich and apples, some chips and a juice box. He couldn't believe it. He got up and looked around. There was no one in sight. He said, I even looked behind the bench to see if someone was hiding behind it, but there was no one there. And as he sat there praising God for his care and not, you know, just totally rejoicing at how God had providing for him, a young woman came to the bus stop to catch the bus as well. And she began to ask him, why are you so happy? And he was able to share with her what occurred. And she began to desire to know more about this Jesus, this young man trusted. She came to the church later on and she accepted Christ as well. Now, let me ask you, how can you participate in making disciples in your community and around the world? As you go, as you go shopping, as you go to the doctor, as you go to school, as you wait for the bus, as you go and see friends or family, worship is a wonderful time for Christians to recommit themselves to share the good news everywhere. We need to immediately and eagerly share the good news of Jesus's resurrection. We need to joyfully share the good news of Jesus's resurrection, and we need to share the good news everywhere. Now, this is copyrighted by me and is my sole property. It may not be used unless you quote the entire article and have my permission. You have my permission. May God bless you, and may you go and share your faith.